The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live Market Watch Edition. I'm Alessandra Melito, retirement reporter for Market Watch, and I'm pleased today to welcome Bob Reese, Vice President of Medicare Sales of eHealth. Welcome, Bob. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Ellie. Thanks for having me on. So this is a very hot topic. Medicare is something that people have so many questions about, and it's a topic that we could honestly talk about for days, if not weeks, if not months, basically the entire period of the annual enrollment period. But we're going to keep it to just 30 minutes today, and I'll just dive right in if that's okay with you. Absolutely. So I'm going to start with a hard-hitting question. What would you find to be the biggest hurdles that Medicare beneficiaries face during the annual enrollment period? Uh, Great question. And I'll maybe back up and give a little bit of context here. Um, Turning 65 or, or reaching retirement age is something people look forward to their whole lives. And it's picturesque, it's exciting, but it's also a little bit anxiety ridden as people think about aging into Medicare and what that transition means from an employer their, tr- their traditional group coverage onto, a me- onto Medicare coverage. Uh, the first thing that people need to know is there is an annual enrollment period. It runs every year from October 15th to December 7th, regardless of what day of the, of the week that falls on. For So for example, this year we started on a Sunday. Um, but the biggest hurdles that, benefit, that the beneficiaries face during the annual enrollment period is number one is knowing where to turn for help. If you are reaching retirement age, you're getting close to your 65th birthday, it's likely you're starting to receive mail and phone calls about Medicare already. If you're not, you're likely to be inundated fairly soon. And so Medicare beneficiaries, every annual enrollment period are overwhelmed with ads and sales pitches and TV ads uh, prompting a call to action. And what they truly need is insight and expert help. Medicare is complicated and it's deeply personal. Uh, My advice here is work with a licensed insurance agent or a licensed online marketplace. Uh, Licensed agents can answer your questions and give personalized help, and it never costs you anything extra. Uh, Second would be knowing how to compare plans. Uh, It's challenging for many to understand the differences between plans. If you think about your election period with your employer coverage, and you only have two options. Even that choice can sometimes be daunting. But in, with Medicare plans, sometimes you've got four or five, six, seven different options available where you live. And so knowing how to compare those plans and the nuances of those plans and how they'll affect your personal situation is important. So marketplaces like eHealth will allow you to input your personal information, see how those benefits compare and stack up side by side for you. And then making sure you work with a licensed agent can help you compare multiple plans from competing insurance companies to give you the best chance of finding a, net, a match for you. And then last would be making sure that any prescription drugs that you take are covered. Uh, that's a big budgetary consideration for most seniors. And it's important that you make sure that any plan you consider covers your prescriptions in a way that's affordable and understandable for you. And again, online tools or a licensed agent can help you understand how that's going to impact you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what would you say are some of the most common misconceptions around Medicare, even among those who are already enrolled in Medicare? That's a that's a great question. And I think the biggest one is not is is lumping all Medicare plans together under one umbrella. Uh, when people say Medicare, there's there's a lot to unpack there. And so we'll, yeah. I'll take a minute and unpack it a little bit. There's there is a, a meaningful difference between just traditional Medicare, which would be part A and part B. Part A is for your hospital, part B for your doctors. That's administered by the, by the federal government uh, through the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which is called CMS. I'll use, I'll use CMS a little bit later on too. So you have traditional Medicare where you're responsible for your part B premium, but you're also responsible for the 20% coinsurance after, after Medicare picks up their piece. That's what you, is known as traditional Medicare. All you do is enroll in Part A and Part B and nothing else, you're on traditional Medicare. Now, beyond traditional Medicare, you have a couple different options to supplement or augment your coverage with traditional Medicare. One is a Medicare supplement, also called a Medigap plan, that is issued by a private insurer and supplements your traditional Medicare to, to reduce your out-of-pocket costs so it does come with a premium and some medical underwriting. Another option is a Medicare Advantage plan in which a private insurer actually administers, takes over the administration of your traditional Medicare coverage and also provides some additional benefits and cost savings in, in, in addition to what you get on traditional Medicare law. And then there's Part D, which is plan uh, Medicare Part D, also called a prescription drug plan, which is to cover your medications. Uh, you can also enroll in that. So there's an important distinction in what's covered, how the coverage works, how your doctor network is impacted, whether you can see your, your primary care physician or not uh, within the network and whether they can be used together. So a lot of confusion has been probably fed into, unfortunately, by the, by the unscrupulous Medicare advertising that's out there. Um, especially this type of year, this time of year, you get ads uh, touting special benefits that are very nuanced, only may be available in some plans or with special qualifications. Not everybody qualifies, but some plans may offer them. So again, I think the biggest misconception is just lumping all Medicare plans into one. And it's really important as you're, as you're exploring Medicare, looking at your options to make sure that you understand and kind of break apart those options and decide which one's best for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm not yet at Medicare age, but I, I've seen and I report on it and it's it could be overwhelming sometimes. And I know that some situations, people will just stick with, you know, if they're current beneficiaries, they'll stick with whatever they have just because it's been working and having to pour through those other options can be daunting. But I wanted to ask you, what are the consequences of skipping the annual enrollment period? Uh, the consequences of skipping the annual enrollment period would be uh, being stuck in a plan that no longer meets your needs. So if you if you do not make an election during the annual enrollment period from October 5th, 15th to December 7th, the plan you're on, unless it's being discontinued by the carrier, by the by your insurance by insurance provider, will continue on into 2024 with some potentially some changes. So even if you're happy with your plan, that your insurance company is going to send you an annual notice of change that will describe some changes in that coverage 
a lot of time we just see it. We, we, you know, use it as coloring paper for the grandkids or it goes in the recycling bin, but it's important to make sure that you understand <laughs> if the plan has changed and specifically if your needs have changed. That's, yeah. that's one consequence. And the other would be missing out in 2024. Um, unless you have a special qualifying event, we'll talk about that a little bit later on too, you're locked into your Medicare Advantage plan on December 8th for all of calendar year 2024. And every year, the insurance companies do come out with new plan designs, especially for Medicare Advantage, that will have new or different benefits that you may be able to qualify for. And if you don't, if you don't com at least compare your options during the annual enrollment period, you, you potentially can miss out on some of those benefits. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to take a minute to remind the audience to submit questions because we're going to get to that shortly. I just want a few more questions of my own first. <laughs> so um, we, you know, we talked about looking at the at the plans that you have and doing a little shopping around. But what would you say are some of the biggest areas beneficiaries could potentially save by reviewing and comparing their plans during this period? Uh, monthly finances would be your your obvious one. Um, things change. Uh, if you're paying a premium on your current plan or you're coming out of pocket for some of your medications, um, the most affordable plan for you this year may or may not be the most affordable plan for you next year. Not just exclusively on the premium, but comp the comprehensive offering from the plan itself. Second would be prescription drugs. Uh, Medicare Part D plans and most many uh, Medicare Advantage plans cover prescription drugs, at least a portion uh, of your prescription drug mm -hmm. costs. But the, the, which, which plans are covered under the formulary of each plan can differ significantly from plan to plan. Um, you know, for the first time ever, just this year with the Inflation Reduction Act, the CMS and federal government is now going to negotiate drug prices directly with the manufacturers. That's not going to start though until 2025. And that's not going to be for all medications. It will be a select list starting 2025, but important as you look at your prescription coverage to stay abreast of what the plan offerings are and what the cost to you is as, as you go throughout the next couple of years. And then your provider networks, uh, you know, your budget could be impacted. If your preferred doctor is no longer a part of your uh, of your plan's network for on your Medicare Advantage plan, you should know that seeing out of doctor seeing doctors out of network likely means you're coming out of pocket and will have a significant financial impact. So make sure that your preferred doctors are covered under the plan for the coming year or potentially look to make a change there. Yeah, definitely. And I know you mentioned the dates before, but could you just briefly explain how this period differs from others throughout the year, such as for Medicare Advantage or special enrollment periods? Absolutely. Um, the annual enrollment period for, for Medicare is really the big time where any, Medi any Medicare beneficiary can enroll in a new Medicare Advantage plan or a new Part D prescription drug plan for 2024. So from October 15th to December 7th, every beneficiary has universal eligibility. That new coverage will begin on January 1st of the subsequent year. So January 1, 2024 is when the effective date for your new plan will go live. Outside of the annual enrollment period, you, you can't just make a change in your, in your Medicare coverage without a special enrollment period. Um, there are many of them. They're very specific. Um, 
But when you experience a, a specific life change, you could have eligibility outside of that window. But again, it's very nuanced, very specific. One example, one key example is moving to a new, a new coverage area. Meaning if I, if I move from Austin to Minnesota, that would, that would open a special election period for me to make a change, get coverage in my new home. But those are, those are very, fairly limited and individualized. Again, the, the difference with the annual enrollment period is everybody's got eligibility to make a, to make a change. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we're going to get to live audience questions in a second, but I had one more question for you, and it's about a question. So what would you say is the one question every Medicare beneficiary needs to ask themselves right now during this open annual enrollment period? Uh, the biggest question that you should ask yourself is have my needs changed um your coverage and really how that plan interacts with your everyday life will depend on whether your underlying needs have changed so if you've had changes in your personal medical needs over the past year have you received a new diagnosis did you start a new treatment have you started or dropped a medication uh, have you, you have you received a new prescription? Have you stopped taking a prescription? Uh, in a recent survey um, that eHealth had run, 41% of respondents said they started using a new prescription drug in the last year. Um, so if you're in that bucket, you definitely need to evaluate your options and compare the coverage available to you to cover your prescription medications. Second could be a change in your underlying personal finances. Um, I know this one is top of mind for people, especially in the context of, of inflation. Everything's getting more expensive and your finances, your income or your your living uh, allowance may not have changed. So if you're bringing in more or less money, if you're if you're bringing in more or less money relative to the expenses you have going out the door every month, 87% of, of beneficiaries in that same survey identified that they're worried about the impact of inflation on healthcare costs. Um, it's top of mind for everybody. So if you're thinking about whether your needs have changed for a medication, for, for health conditions, for prescription drugs, whether your personal finances have changed, or again, last, remember that thing we get in the mail every year from our, from our insurance carriers, make sure to look at your annual notice of change. Look through that document, see if your plan has changed in a way that impacts your needs and impacts how you use that coverage and read that read that plan and if you and if you have questions use the resource of a licensed agent who can help you evaluate both your current situation with the plan that you're on they'll also have visibility into all the plans that are going to be available for you based on where you live and what you can qualify for next year and help you stack those side by side so you can make an important decision yeah definitely well, that's great. I'm just going to dive into these questions from our viewers now. So Jerry asked, he says, I turned 65 in 2024. Do I go through open enrollment now in anticipation of being 65? Or does that decision get delayed until next year? Great question, Jerry. Um, so if you are not yet 65 and not yet, and you've not yet taken Medicare Part A and Part B, you you won't be eligible to enroll in a new Medicare Advantage or Medicare Supplement Plan this annual enrollment period. Uh, when you when you're turning 65, that will open your initial eligibility to enroll in, in, in additional Medicare coverage beyond Part A and B, 
whether a supplement or a Medicare Advantage plan. So, but it doesn't stop you from comparing your options and being informed about what that could look like when you turn 65. So if you're like many folks, you want to be prepared, you're planning ahead, you're getting your personal finances together, you're maybe putting together your retirement plan, not a bad idea to still leverage your licensed agent. Again, it's not going to cost you anything, but to be informed about your options and be informed about how, what it could potentially look like, knowing that there may be some changes in the underlying plan coverage before you turn 65. So you should definitely evaluate your options uh, when your birthday rolls around. Yeah, definitely. These are great questions, by the way. Oh. Just a message to my viewers. So Gary said, I'm 69 and working full-time with full health insurance coverage. If I were to decide to retire, when would I have to apply in order to avoid any penalty? Great question, Gary. Uh, so if you are still, even if you've turned 65, one misconception is that as soon as you turn 65, you've got to enroll in Part B or you'll get the penalty. Normally that's true, but if you're covered by creditable coverage, which is your employer coverage, if it covers at least what Medicare covers, Medicare will consider that creditable coverage. And if you're still covered by that creditable coverage, even after you turn 65, it will delay the Part B penalty and you can enroll in Part B as, as soon as you retire. So as you come off that employer coverage, then you would need to enroll in Part B to avoid the penalty. But that could be when you're 69, it could be when you're 79. Just as long as you've got continuous creditable coverage up to that point, you don't need to enroll in Part B. In fact, I had a close family member of mine who made the mistake of enrolling in Part B while covered it by employer coverage. and messed up their contributions to their employer HSA because now they have Medicare Part B overlapping with their employer coverage. So fantastic question. One common misconception of 65, I got to go or I'm going to pay the, the penalty. Not if you've got coverage with creditable insurance coverage that Medicare will recognize that will, that will toll when you need to enroll in Part B. And uh, this kind of goes off of that question, but Wayne asked if someone is over 65 and still has health insurance through work, is it advisable to delay signing up for Medicare? That I think will, will vary very much depending on your individual circumstances. And I would recommend that you speak to an agent to evaluate your options. Um, Again, healthcare is is deeply, deeply personal, and there's not a one size fits all answer. Um, whether or not whether you stay on the employer coverage or whether you enroll in Medicare is really going to be contingent on your personal health needs, your finances, and what's best for your for your situation. So, I'd recommend you leverage a resource that can help you, whether that's a, a licensed agent or an online resource, uh, to help you, help you compare step by step. Yeah, definitely, uh, Tom said, I, if I'm a vet, a veteran, receiving medical care through VA, do I need to enroll in Medicare? Great question. And, and thank you so much for your service. Um, if you, if you've got, if you're a veteran and you're covered by CHAMP VA or TRICARE, the way that that interfaces with Medicare is very, very, very complex. Um, again, I, I think the, the, the coverage that we give our veterans is great. Uh, I would, but again, very, very, very nuanced and personal situations. Again, based on where you're getting your coverage, if you're getting uh, your healthcare taken care of at the VA, versus if you're getting it taken care of off off campus with a private insurer uh, with a private provider, 
uh, will dictate what the best choice would be for you. So I would hesitate to give blanket coverage. Just I don't want to I don't want to steer anybody wrong. I would my my advice to you would be again to leverage uh, the resource of the licensed agent who can help you navigate the nuances of that situation. Definitely. Uh, so this one might involve a penalty. So Saranga says I'm 66 covered by the employer. Oh, you know what? That's not true. It's not no penalty. Sorry. I'm 66 covered by the employer and not enrolled in Medicare. My question is, what is the procedure if I want to enroll in Medicare? And I know you talked a little bit about that before, but could you actually expand a little bit on like the time frame for the special enrollment periods? Yes, the time, well, the time frame for the special enrollment periods are applicable if you're already enrolled in Medicare, meaning if, if you've already made your initial election into Medicare, you've enrolled in Part A and Part B, and now you, you do have an initial enrollment period when you sign up for Medicare and first take Part B that opens an initial enrollment period, regardless of when you first take Part B. So if you're coming off creditable coverage and you're 67, that's going, to that's going to open an initial enrollment period for you to be able to, to evaluate your options, whether it's a Medicare supplement, a Medicare Advantage, or traditional Medicare. Um, the special election period really is needed after that initial enrollment period is closed and you're, not, and you're outside of a subsequent annual enrollment period. So yes, you do have a window that's, that as you come off creditable coverage, to enroll in Medicare and evaluate your options, you're, you don't need to do that between the between October 15th and December 7th. That will open a separate initial election period. I told you this was a little complicated. Yes, I know. It's so complicated. <laughs> um, Philip asked, does having a bad record or having debt collection from previous ER bills impact or inhibit your ability to sign up for Medicare plans? Also, if finances are tight, is it possible to suspend or cancel particular Medicare coverage due to the cost of premiums for the rest of the year and losing coverage for that remainder? Okay, it's a great question. The, the record will not, no. Um, the ability to drop coverage though, is also contingent on the AEP. Meaning if you want to disenroll in your, in your Medicare Advantage plan, go right back to traditional Medicare, you need to make that election during the annual enrollment period or during a special election period as well. Farnese asked, what happens if you're not working and have Medicare, uh, Medicare Advantage, he's specified, uh, but start working again? If you are not working and then you resume working after having taken Medicare? Yes. Um, you'll really then again have an option. Um, once, you've taken, once you've taken Medicare, if you have Medicare and then you decide to pick up creditable coverage again in the future, Again, I'd, I'd encourage you to talk to an agent about making that, that transition, the timing of the transition and the impact potentially to your finances. Um, but you're going to have, again, as long as you're, as long as you're covered by creditable coverage, that part B penalty will toll. Yeah. Okay. So Jason asked, why are Medigap premiums unable to be paid from an HSA. And could you actually, I know you mentioned it a little bit before, but could you talk a little bit about that relationship between HSAs and Medicare, Medigap? Yes. So an HSA, your health savings account is available for a high deductible group plan. Um, meaning it's contributions that you take out of your, take out of your paycheck pre-tax, pay into a dedicated spending account that 
is can be used to pay for medical expenses. It can't be used to pay for health insurance premiums. Those are independent of your HSA. So that's the reason that you can't use it to pay for a Medigap plan is because the premium you're paying for a, for a Medigap plan is analogous to the premium you're paying for your group insurance under your employer. So if you, you can kind of equate those two in your mind. You can't use your HSA to pay for your group premium. You also can't use it to pay for the, for the Medigap premium. Um, as, as you kind of differentiated a Medigap versus the Medicare Advantage, a Medigap is going to be a plan that sits on top of traditional Medicare and covers the 20% kind of the 20% coinsurance that you're responsible for. Now you do need to, in most cases, go through a medical underwriting process, similar to getting your own group plan or individual plan, you go through medical underwriting, and then you pay a monthly premium. Now, once you pay that premium, your doctor network is anybody, any, any provider who, who takes Medicare will, will take your Medicare supplement plan, meaning you can, you have flexibility outside of the state, you have flexibility outside of traditional, outside of the HMO or PBO network. You can go see the doctors you want to see and the costs are covered for you based on the Medigap plan because you're paying now the monthly premium in, in lieu of that. A Medicare Advantage, now a Medicare Advantage plan, on the other hand, will, will likely have a lower premium on a monthly basis. Um, not subject to the medical underwriting, but will not cover all of the costs that you that you need to come out of pocket. It will cover many of the costs, but you'll still have a potentially a copay to go see your your physician. Might be twenty or thirty dollars, not your traditional twenty percent, but it's going to cover some of the costs not covered by traditional Medicare. And these private insurance companies will also put additional benefits into many of these Medicare Advantage plans like a flex spending account or transportation benefits um, that will be in addition to what's give, what's contained just in traditional Medicare alone. So really the difference between a supplement or an advantage plan is again, heavily dependent on personal finances, uh, the, the, the monthly cost of the premium versus no premium, but also, <clears throat> excuse me, the cost of treatment and the cost of medications, and then doctor doctor choice. Those are really the big factors that are going to play for you when deciding between a supplement plan or a Medicare Advantage plan. And good news is you don't have to navigate this alone. Uh, if you talk to one of our licensed advisors, for example, at eHealth, at one of our licensed agents at eHealth, they're compensated the same whether they help you enroll in a Medicare supplement plan or an Advantage plan. So really our, our goal is to get you in the right plan for you. This, um, this question kind of goes off of that. Rich asked, if I or my wife are fortunate to have no prescription needs at the moment and we're early in the Medicare life journey at age 65 or 66, should a person enroll in Part D? It's very expensive, but clearly if prescriptions are acquired at 75 or later, there are penalties to enroll later. Do you have any recommendations? My recommendation, again, is to leverage leverage an agent, leverage a broker, um, get advice on your personal situation. Again, I, I hesitate to give individualized advice, not because it's much needed, but because what might be the right answer for you may not be the right answer for another listener. And I, my, my recommendation to you is just bring your list of questions, bring your personal situation, bring your concerns, and bring your your, your allowance, kind of what's, what's going to fit within the budget, what makes sense right now? What medications are you taking? What do you anticipate taking? And you can, 
whether through an agent or even on our online portal, you can go in and enter the information specific to you and get a recommendation based on your circumstances. So if you don't mind, we have so many good questions. I just want to have a few more minutes if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Okay. So, I mean, everybody just, there's just so many good questions. I am just scrolling. Okay. Sorry. All right. So Anthony asked, I live in New York state. I'm 64. I have workers comp for several body parts. A heart attack caused me to get straight Medicaid. I have no idea how this all plays into getting Medicare. Um, what do you, what do you think? Where do you go from there in a situation like that? Again, very, uh, Anthony, thank you for the question. Um, and again, a very, very personalized situation. And for you specifically, the the one, the one kind of piece of information I'll give you that's that's important is, sixty five is kind of the automatic time where everybody thinks about Medicare eligibility. But if you're if you're taking disability and under sixty five and and receiving disability payments from Social Security. And, and on Medicaid, you could be eligible to enroll in Medicare even prior to turning 65. Um, so please evaluate your options and see if enrolling in Medicare is the right fit for you. Um, but there is, again, even prior to 65, if you fall under those specific circumstances, you could also have Medicare eligibility and, and potentially enroll in, a, in an Advantage plan to get some of those additional benefits. Sunil asked, are there any benefits or insurance for taking care of nursing home costs? Now, I know that's also a very hot topic within Medicare planning. Within, within Medicare, no. Um, nursing home costs are not covered. I know that those, those costs are expensive, um, often in $10,000, $12,000 a month or more. Um, there's options, obviously, if you, if you work with and I'm not going to give you legal advice, but if you work with a tax attorney, potentially to look at spend downs in your state, but no, nursing homes are not covered by, by Medicare. And Mike asked, can you explain the difference between Medicare? And I know you mentioned this at the beginning of the call, but if you don't mind, um, can you explain the difference between Medicare A, B, C, D? How is the cost of these determined? Which one includes dental and vision? Great question. A lot of questions in there. Yes. <laughs> um, so Medicare Medicare Part A, again, is for your hospital coverage. So Medicare is like Part A is hospital. Part B is your doctor. So if you think about going to the hospital, anything out of the hospital is Part B. Part C is a Medicare Advantage plan. So you heard me talk a lot about Medicare Advantage plans that are administered by private insurance companies. Those are Medicare Part C plans. Uh, where again, a private insurance company will actually take over administration of your Medicare plan, including Part A and B, and, and run administration for your entire Medicare uh, administration under Medicare uh, Part C. Part D is then your prescription drug coverage, which is separate and independent from Part A and Part B. Part D does require you to in it. Referencing to the question earlier, there is a cost associated with a Part D plan though you should compare options because there may be multiple Part D options available where you live, uh, based, carried by different by different insurers. Um, lastly, I think the last part of that question, Allie, was dental and vision. Those costs are not covered by Medicare, uh, by traditional Medicare Part A or Part B. Uh, many Medicare Advantage plans that are offered by private insurers are starting to include some, some benefits for dental and vision. 
Uh, or if you go the alternative route and enroll in a Medicare supplement plan, there are standalone dental vision and hearing plans that are also offered by private insurers, many of the names you've heard from, that will help supplement your coverage that you're getting from Medicare, but those dental and vision costs are not covered under traditional Medicare alone. Yeah. I know those those are uh, always top of mind, I've yeah. noticed. <laughs> Absolutely. Robert asked, could you speak to the implications of a non-working spouse who is younger than myself? A non-working spouse. Okay, so assuming that you're you you Robert are enrolling in a Medicare plan, but and and turn and over sixty five, your spouse is not working and under under sixty five. Okay, um, in that scenario, your spouse would not be covered by your Medicare coverage. So Medicare coverage is individualized. It's not there's not a family Medicare plan unlike your employer plan. So if you have if you if you decide to opt to Medicare after 65 and your spouse is still under 65 and not working, they could pursue their own individual plan uh, with a private insurer. Um, eHealth does offer help looking for individual plans as well, as do many licensed agents. So if you're looking for an individual plan and you're not working, you can pursue individual coverage that's offered by a private insurance by a private insurance company. Mary asked, do I have to pay the agent for advice or who pays them for that advice? Great question. That's the best thing about a service like eHealth is it doesn't cost you anything to compare your plan or even enroll with us into a Medicare Advantage or a Medicare supplement plan. We're paid by the insurance companies to help you find a match. So the, the cost is covered by the private insurance company who, who pays us, but that we do, it's a service we offer at no cost to you. Okay. And Thomas is um, asking a question that actually highlights a distinction that some people may not know about. Uh, Thomas says, I'm going to be 65 in 2024. My employer has fewer than 20 employees. Do hmm. I need to enroll in Medicare Part A and B when I turn 65? Could you actually talk a little bit about like if there's a difference, if your employer has fewer than a certain number of employees versus maybe a larger company? It's really going to depend in, I think independent of the number of employees is going to be how your employer is deciding to administer healthcare for employees. Um, there, there are multiple options and that's probably a whole separate call um, in terms of the options for an employer to offer health insurance to employees if they do it all, or if they just offer a contribution, but, Again, independent of the size of your employer is really going to be what that employer assistance for your coverage looks like and then what your needs are stacked up against that coverage that you can get from your employer or the coverage you can get from Medicare, um, whether standalone or supplemented by an Advantage or a Medigap plan. Um, so again, I would encourage you to seek out an expert to help navigate the nuances of your situation um, because again, it's super personal. It's a, it's a personal experience and what's right for the hard part is what's right for the person sitting next to you at work may not be right for you. They may, they want, they want to go the employer path and you may want to go a different path. That's okay. Um, it's totally up to you. Yeah. I think that is a great 
note to leave off on. Um, thank you so much for speaking with us, Bob, and for all of your very insightful, helpful answers. <laughs> we hope uh, to our viewers, we hope you listen to our next episode tomorrow. Financial News Deputy Editor Paul Clark will sit down with Hanik Smits, Global Head of Investment Management at BNY Mellon, Lisa Miguel co-head of global banking at HSBC, and Laura Jansons, head of European investment banking at Berenberg, to reveal how they smashed through the glass ceiling in the male-dominated world of finance and to discuss the challenges still facing the sector on improving gender diversity. Thank you all so much again for listening today. Stay safe and have a great day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.